All right, hallelujah. Welcome to, uh, welcome to uh, New Philadelphia Church. Is this your first time joining us today? Uh, uh, we just changed the name of our church from uh, JSCM to New Philadelphia. And so for the whole month of April, uh, we're going to be going go ahead and launching into that. So uh, today we got a big old uh, New Philadelphia cake that you're more than welcome to get a big slice from. You notice that uh, our brother uh, Marcus, uh, he was able to design the new uh, church logo. All right. And um, our sister Mary. Yo, yo, what's going on? Our sister Mary, is uh, uh, she designed a new bulletin design. So uh, be sure to holler at him when you see him. Thank him. Hallelujah. Encourage him. All right. Hallelujah. Test one. Test one. Uh, I'm going to give one more strike to this mic. All right. Let me switch. Okay. All right, hallelujah. So today's passage comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Why don't we turn there right now together? Turn to 1 Samuel chapter All right, hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's start recording now. Hallelujah. Our 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, uh, last week I began a sermon series on developing your sense of call. And the first message was about keeping first things first. Right? And through uh, the passage on Martha and Mary, I talked about how we need to keep our relationship with the Lord first. And uh, be devoted to Jesus instead of your service to Jesus. That's really important that we keep that first. Uh, we also looked at how God puts a high priority on your character. He's more concerned about who you're becoming than what you can do for him right now. Okay? And third, we looked at uh, how important it is to keep obedience first. That to obey is better than sacrifice. All right. So first things first. That was the first message. Today we're going to dig a little deeper into developing your sense of calm. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. Right, read verse 1 with me. 1, 2, 3, go. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Hallelujah. If you want to develop your sense of call, you've got to minister under spiritual authority. All right, so you see here, uh, young man Samuel here. What does it say? It says, he ministered to the Lord under Eli. Under Eli. All right, that's it. That's the last strike for this mic. Test, test. Hallelujah. You good? All right, praise the Lord. All right, so. Hallelujah. Where was that? Hallelujah. In other words, if you want God to reveal the details of His plans for your life, if you want to develop your sense of call, it's imperative that you're committed to a local church and that you're in submission to spiritual authority. Amen? Amen. Get under authority. All right, tell your neighbor that right now. Get under authority. Tell it, tell it to him with some unction, some conviction. Tap your neighbor in the front. Tell him, get under that authority. Uh, we're going we're to look through some passages today. I'm going to preach a segment of my message that I preached about, I think, two or three times already here at JSCM. Uh, it's an old message, but I feel like God uh, really put it upon my heart as I was preparing for this message. Okay. Uh, and uh, the, that message name had all different kinds of titles, like Know Your Rule, Shut Your Mouth, uh, The Rock Says. I don't remember. All right. But it's about submission. All right. If you have your Bibles, all right, take, your, take your swords, put a term to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And we'll, we'll come back to first, first Samuel later. Hebrews 13, verse 17. 
The word of the Lord says. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. In the NIV it says, Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. The Word of God says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to the wired mic. All right. With the wire mic, are we in with the podcast with the wire mic? All right, hallelujah. Let's go there, but hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get that known and flowing. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Now, people in the church today, they have a problem with submission to authority. They don't like it and they don't want it. They don't want no one telling them what to do. I'll date who I want. I'll make up my own mind. I don't care what my leader says. I don't like the assignments that he's giving me. I'm quitting the team. I'm going to do my own thing. All right. People today in the church, they have problems with submission to authority. Now, the damage from this lack of submission is everywhere. Numerous denominations, church splits, factions, dissensions. It's all from a lack of a submission in the church. And everybody's got an excuse for why they don't submit to their leaders. Uh, let me look at some of, the, some of the excuses. Most common excuses, right? Number one, I don't like my leader. Can somebody say amen? Uh, what were you saying for? I don't like my leaders. <clears throat> I can't submit to him because I just don't like him. I don't like the things he does or things he says. Well, check it out. You can continue not liking them all you want. Bible doesn't say anything about that. No one can force you to like your leaders. But it does talk about submitting to your leaders. Whether you like them or not. You see, when, when I was back in New York and working with Campus Crusade, there would be these college students. Each summer we go on summer mission trips. And every year when I would preach around the time uh, that we're about to leave for missions trips, students will come up to me afterward. And they would be like, hey, Christian, what's your name? Oh, man, that was an awesome message you just gave. And I'll be like, hallelujah, glory to God. And then they would be like, you know, <clears throat> I'm part of this Thailand team over here with this and this, what's name over there. But you know what? I, I don't really like her. Or I don't really like him. I don't like the way she, she's, she's leading the team. Is, is, it, is it possible for me to join your team? All right. And there would be students like that every single year that would come up and do that. And, and, and I should be like, no, you cannot join my team. Look, if you don't like that leader, if you don't like that staff as your leader, trust me, you're probably not going to get along with me. I'm more harder to work with. You know? If you, if you have a problem submitting to their, their authority, I know you're going to have a problem submitting to my authority. So you can just stay where you're at. But a, a lot of times I didn't say that. And I'll be like, all right, oh, hallelujah. I'm glad that you were blessed by my message. All right, I'll see what I can do about putting a spot on your team, on my team for you, right? But brothers and sisters, don't, don't, if you're a leader, don't fall for that trap. All right, if they, if people, I don't care how much talent or gifting a person has, if the guy hasn't learned to submit to authority in one place, he's going to be a headache for you when it comes to your place. You see, as a leader, sometimes... I make decisions that people may not like. For example, I may challenge the leaders by giving them homework that's a little bit tough. And they don't like it. Or I may ask someone to step down from leadership position, causing them humiliation. And people might begin to ask, why did Pastor Christian do that? Why did he have that leader step down? That was humiliating. How could he do that? And people start asking stuff like that. And what I would like to tell people like that is, first of all, whatever the reason is, is none of your beeswax. It's none of your business. Right? 
sometimes a leader, they know the whole story. And there are reasons why leaders make certain decisions. And it may be actually in love that that pastor or that leader asked that other person to step down. Because the issues that were concerning it were very private. And in love was actually trying to protect that person. You don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story, brothers and sisters. If you don't like what your leader is doing, and you don't like your leader, do you know what God tells you to do? Go and tell other people the same, uh, the way you feel so that they can feel the same way. Manipulate the situation and make it go your way. Go and get a new leader. No! It's not what God says. God says, if you don't like your leader, He says, obey them. Even if you don't like them, you obey them and you submit to their authority. Now, I'm getting a lot of faces here and you don't like, you don't like what I'm saying. You know what? I, I don't really care whether you like it or not. I'm just preaching the word of God. Hallelujah. And this, this word needs to be preached. You know what? This is going to benefit all the leaders of this church. And you know what? It will benefit you. If, if you make it a burden for me to lead, guess what? It's going to be of no benefit to you. Hallelujah. Sometimes people give the excuse, <clears throat> I can't follow my leader because they're just straight up wrong. They're wrong. Let's say that your leader is wrong. Let's say his or her ideas are just bad. They're clearly under bondage to like these political spirits wanting power and doing anything for power. They're acting out of selfish ambition, personal bitterness. You know, all this kind of shady stuff they're involved with. What do you do in such cases? Same thing. You obey your leaders and you submit to their authority. You see, they don't answer to you. I'm going to talk about spiritual authority here. They don't answer to you. They answer to God. And if they are wrong, God will deal with them. It's none of your business to try to set them straight and use manipulation techniques, passive-aggressive techniques to do so. All right, I'm going to give you some great examples in the Bible of this kind of submission. It's right here in our original passage, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Right? If you turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and you look one chapter earlier, what you will notice in chapter 2 is God rejects Eli and his whole family as priests. God rejects them because they're wrong. Yet in chapter 3, what do we read? God used Eli, a rejected leader who was clearly in the wrong, to train and develop the call of Samuel. Somebody's understanding. Let me get an amen. amen. I'll give you another example. It's right in the same book. You look at King Saul. King Saul, because he despises the word of the Lord, he disobeys the Lord. All right. God rejects Saul as king because he's clearly in the wrong. And then God anoints David as a teenager to become the new king. But guess whose leadership that David had to submit under to be trained as a king? Under Saul. The rejected leader who was clearly in the wrong. A guy, by the way, who never repented, who never properly repented, yet God used Saul's leadership to train up David. Oh, hallelujah, it's making people uncomfortable here. You see, during those years, Saul could see God's favor on David. And he got jealous. You know, they, they used to sing, Saul has killed his thousands. And David his tens of thousands. And Saul would be like, I don't like that song. I don't like that song. Why are they singing that? David could clearly, David himself, he clearly could see that Saul was in the wrong. Yet David continued to submit to Saul's leadership and did not speak ill of him. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, um, David and his men, they, they hid in caves because Saul was straight up wrong. He started trying to kill David. Now, if, you're, if your spiritual authority tries to kill you, all right, then it's time to book. It's time, it's, it's time to go into the caves. All right. 
And what happened was Saul went into one of these caves one day. Unwittingly, he, he went there to, to relieve himself. And David's men were in the same cave. And Saul's there. He just thinks he's by himself. You know, doing his thing. And then David's men were like, this is the day that the Lord of God spoke of. When he said that he will give your enemy into your hands. Right? And David could have easily just struck down Saul right there. But he doesn't. Instead, you know what David did? David came out into the open, fell prostrate before Saul. As what? As a sign of submission. He says, you're trying to kill me right now. And I could have killed you just now. But you know what? I'm laying prostrate before you. I'm submitting to the authority that God has placed. I know you're clearly in the wrong. But you know what? I know God will deal with it. And he submitted himself. That's an amazing act. And when David's men later asked him, why didn't you strike him down? David replied that he feared God too much to touch his anointed. And also, he said that God will deal with Saul in his time. That's the right attitude, brothers and sisters. If you got spiritual authorities and they're completely in the wrong, that's, that's got to be your attitude. God will deal with them. You pray for them. You pray that they get restored. But if you don't see any hope of that happening, you say God will deal with them. You do not take that matter into your own hands. And you know what God did? God took care of Saul. And then raised up David as a new king. Brothers and sisters, when leaders are in the wrong, God deals with them, not you. If necessary, he will even remove them in due time. But check it out. It won't be through a church split or factions or slander or manipulation that's precipitated by you. God does not need you to police his leaders. He's already set in place denominations, apostolic ministries, accountability groups to do stuff like that. God does not need your help in policing his leaders. And you know what? This message, it puts a weight upon leaders to be sure that they're right before God. You know what? And this is the way it should be. Because the Bible says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Your leaders will be judged much at a higher standard. Much more will be asked of them. And you know what? That's the way it's got to be. There's a cost to leadership. Hallelujah. You know, brothers and sisters, instead of, instead of submitting, a lot of people love to slander their leaders, don't they? They love to slander them. Come on, everybody's done it in here. Don't look around. All right? Everybody's done it in some form or it slipped. Oh, should I have said that? It happens for me too. Hallelujah. And you know what? Sometimes some people will band together. And they say, we don't have to follow our pastor. Because the majority in our church thinks his ideas are just dumb. They're off. Or how, they're, how he's making these decisions are, are, are just this is not right. And let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. I pledge allegiance to the flag. All right, you pledge allegiance to the flag. You're an American citizen. But look, the kingdom of God is different than the United States of America. Kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's not the majority that rules. It's the master that rules. And the master rules through the leaders that he has chosen and set in place. And God's patient with those leaders. Even when they mess up. Even when they go the wrong way. He's very patient with them. Because he wants to restore them. He has a heart and love for them that you may not. But brothers and sisters. Kingdom of God is not a democracy. Brothers and sisters. It's a theocracy. Now, okay. Some of you might be thinking. Well, who is my leader? Who is my leader? Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, a leader, a spiritual authority is, uh, a leader is anyone whom God has called you to serve you with spiritual authority. Okay. Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. It means the definition of a leader is anyone whom God has called to serve you with spiritual authority. That is the definition of a leader. 
this can be your pastor. This can also be your small group leader. All right, if you have been despising the authority and leadership of your small group leader, okay, you're wrong. You're in the wrong. This can also be your campus staff. Emmaus students. Yeah, Erin may be a very young leader. You might not like all the decisions she's making. Staff, fellow staff, alongside of her. Guess what? Guess who God has chosen to be the director? Okay, it's her. For the ladies, <clears throat> this means your husband. Hallelujah. The Bible clearly says, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Wives, submit to your husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Hallelujah. <laughs> Brothers, can I get an amen? That's a good verse. That's a good verse. It's a good verse. But when it comes down to it, that's how the family best operates. Is when that father, he answers to God. Not the majority of the children and the, and the wife, they team up on the, against the father. That's not, that's not right. That's dysfunctional. You have leaders in your church, on your campus, in your household. And whoever your leader is, the word of God makes it clear. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Now you might ask, what is submission? The Bible, uh, not the Bible, the dictionary says, the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Submission requires you to forfeit your stubbornness. 왜 이렇게 고집세? Yeah, you got to let that go. Your stubbornness. I'm sure you have great ideas, but submission requires that after discussion, and when a decision has been made, you yield to the decisions the leader is going with. Hallelujah. If your pastor tells you that the church is going in a certain direction, look, you got to submit, even if you're not feeling it. And if you really feel like I'm going the wrong direction, well, pray for me. Pray for me. Or lovingly suggest something. But look, manipulation, passive-aggressive stuff, that is not God-honoring. If your missions team leader says that everyone needs to be at the Saturday practice at 9 a.m., you be there at 8.55. You know, when it comes down to it, punctuality has more to do with submission than to do with Punctuality. Some people just straight up, they don't, they don't, they don't come on time. They don't come on time and, and they think, oh, well, I got a punctuality problem. Yeah, you got a punctuality problem too, but you got a submission problem right there in with it. That's why you came an hour late, not 10 minutes late. Okay. Or, you know, some, some people join the missions teams and, they, and they're required to come out to all this training and they all complain. Why do I come out to all this training? Why, do I have to be there? Well, I already took this course. It's not a matter of the training. It's nothing to do with that. Some people with that kind of attitude, it's a matter of submission. It's only when we learn to submit and obey that we begin to truly learn the ways of our master. Now, I'm going to go into that a little bit later. You might be like, well, I don't want to submit. I don't submit to no, I submit to no man. I submit directly to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, check this out. When I was in college, this was my attitude. I was serving at a church. God put it on my heart to get baptized. And um, I wanted my English ministry pastor, right, Brother Michael, I wanted him to baptize me. But there were all these church politics involved, because we were part of a KM, that prevented me from, being set, from setting this up. So the head pastor was supposed to baptize me. But I was like, man, whatever, man. I don't want the head pastor to baptize me. I don't, and he don't even come out to our service. You know, I don't really even know him. Right? But you know what Brother Michael told me when, when, I, when I started getting that attitude? He said, he lovingly encouraged me to pray about it, not to overstep the leadership of the head pastor. And he, if he decides to do the baptism, that I need to submit. And 
And so after much wrestling in my heart, I knew God was calling me to submit. I knew that God was speaking to me through Brother Michael. So what happened was I submitted that to the Lord. And I said, Lord, if, if Pastor Huang, he was a Pastor Huang as well. Hallelujah. I'm serving under all kinds of Pastor Huangs. Hallelujah. Um, if he wants to do it, then, then, then Lord, I'll, I'll submit. And when, once that was decided in my heart, God changed the heart of the head pastor. And he said, why don't Brother Michael baptize you? See, and what that showed me was God was actually testing me through all of that. He was testing me. He could have easily changed the heart of Pastor Huang. But he didn't. He waited to see what my response would have been like if I didn't get what I wanted. Because for, for God, he's more interested in who I'm becoming. Right? He wanted me to learn the lessons of character, of submission, humility. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, submitting to God himself will often involve submitting to another man. That's why I mentioned that story. Submitting to God himself will often involve submitting to another man. You see, submission is important because authority is important. See, when the devil took away, when he made Adam and Eve fall in the Garden of Eden, he messed up authority on the earth. He jacked it all up so that when we, as we grow up, we have a jacked up view of authority. See, submission is important because authority is important. You might be like, authority is useless. Each person should have the freedom to do as he pleases. Well, let me, let me propose to you this. Without authority, there will be no church. Without authority, you will not have a copy of the Bible. If you want to see a picture of what it looks like when there is no authority, you turn to the last chapters of the book of Judges. And I'll describe it to you real quick. In those last chapters, it's filled with violence, rape, kidnapping, and slaughter. And it wasn't against the Philistines. The fighting was all in-house. All within the family. Benjamin's tribe had pretty much become like Sodom and Gomorrah. And the rest of Israel was so appalled by their sins that they came looking for the perpetrators. And instead of submitting, since the tribe of Benjamin had the best warriors... What they do? They decided to fight. They said, no, no one here is in charge. We don't have to listen to you. And they decided to fight. And after much fighting and death on both sides, Israel wiped out the entire Benjamin tribe, except for 600 people. I don't know if you guys know that about the history of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin almost wiped out. Hundreds and thousands were slaughtered through this mess. And the book of Judges, it ends with this. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone saw, everyone did as he saw fit. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. This is a picture of what it looks like when we have no authority. It's anarchy. It's anarchy. You see... God was not pleased that Israel demanded a king. But you see, what, what the king stands for, you know, because they had judges, they had leaders. And what the king stands for, it, it symbolizes authority. Right? Israel had no established authority. Therefore, everybody did as they saw, as they saw fit. Right? So when you have no authority, no king, everyone does whatever they want. And what do you do? You have a lot of fighting. You ever look at a church split? What happens? There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of kidnapping. People who had nothing to do with anything, they get swept up in the conflict with everybody else. And through your leaders, you see, God prevents stuff like that. He establishes order. He provides protection and guidance. Your leaders can make mistakes and they're not perfect. But even at those risks, leaders must exercise authority in the church. You know, some people will say, I'll submit to a leader that's competent. Give me a Rick Warren. Or like a Bill Hybels, I don't know. But I don't know about you. All right, okay. 
And they make it sound like the problem's with the leader. All right. Let me propose to you today. The problem does not lie with your leader. It lies with you. Let me tell you a story. When, when the people of Israel were brought out of Egypt, they were led by one of the most greatest meters that ever lived. What was his name? Moses, right? Awesome leader, humble dude. And God spoke to him, the Bible says, face to face. You want a competent leader? You got Moses. And now you're probably thinking, if I had Moses as my pastor, I would definitely submit. (laughs) Well, maybe you would. Initially. But when things start getting tough, when he starts challenging you or making decisions you don't like or agree with, it it might not just be so easy. Let me read. um, If you read about what happens after the exodus, you'll find that as time went on and situations got tough, the people started to grumble and then they refused to submit to the leadership of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, even his own siblings, Miriam and Aaron, who are supposed to be co-leaders, they decide they're not going to submit to Moses' leadership anymore. And they begin to talk smack about him. And it's amazing. The word of God says, and the Lord heard this. I know, I know a lot, a lot of y'all, y'all have love for me. I know y'all have love, love for me. But check it out. Every time you talk smack about me, the Lord hears it. Look, that's not the good part. Check this out. What happened to Miriam? We're talking smack about Moses. She got struck with leprosy. You better watch out, y'all. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No, no, I'm not saying that, but look, check this out. When you gossip, criticize, slander your leaders, God hears everything. And his anger does burn against those who are quick to do so. If you see a righteous man like David, he doesn't speak ill against his authorities. In Numbers chapter 13, 12 men were sent out to spy the land. They return. Two spies are submissive to Moses' authority. And they're willing to go up and take possession of the land. But the other 10, instead of submitting to Moses' authority and doing what they're supposed to do, you know what they did? They took the liberty to go out and spread a bad report among all the people. No submission there. Moses wanted to lead them in, but people soon made plans to return to Egypt. And in Exodus 14, 9, Joshua and Caleb tell the people, if the Lord is pleased with us, Uh, Numbers 49, I'm sorry. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not rebel against the Lord. When you lead people to rise up against God's chosen leader, that is an act of rebellion. You're not rebelling against that leader, you're rebelling against God himself. God knows your leader ain't perfect. God knows the situation is hard, but that does not give you a reason to rebel. And this rebelling was costly. You know what what happened? God vowed that that whole generation would not enter the promised land. And God then tells the ten spies, know your role and shut your mouth. And God, God, God struck them dead. God struck them dead. And you know what? Maybe God won't physically kill people today. Or maybe he does. Hallelujah. But sometimes that's, that's kind of like the picture you get of people that are in active rebellion. They don't repent. Especially, I think, um, the, the leaders that, that, are, that, that have more authority and more anointing, 
I mean, the, the, the greater the danger if you speak against them. The stories go on. Numbers chapter 16. Korah, Dathan, and Ibiram, they rise up against Moses and challenge his leadership. Do you know what God did to them and their whole families? Earth split apart and swallowed them whole. All right. You thought leprosy was bad. Oh, man. Now, why did the Israelites fail to submit to Moses' leadership over and over again? Why do they slander, rebel, and challenge Moses' authority? Story after story. Why? Well, brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. Why do you fail to submit to your spiritual authorities? Why do you slander your small group leader or rebel against your missions team leader? Why do you challenge your husband's authority? Even if Moses was your leader, you will probably do the same thing the Israelites did. Can I give you some news today? You are Israel. God gave Israel as a lesson book for the nations. You and I do what all of Israel did. They're there to give us a picture of what we really like. And a lack of submission is never an issue that lies with the leader. It's always an issue of your heart. And you get down real into it. If you look in James chapter 4 and 1 Peter 5, I'm not going to look into those passages today. It's going to take too long. If you really look into it, lack of submission is a hard issue. It's a hard issue of pride. A person that refuses to submit is a person who lacks humility. Humility and faith. They don't trust God. They feel like they got to take control. They got to take matters into their own hands. Brothers and sisters, if you don't learn this lesson now, you will not develop your sense of call. If you are not under authority, under Eli, under Saul, unless you're under spiritual authority, you feel aimless. You're going to go from one thing to another. And you're going to hope that it gets better. But all the whole time, you're going to continue to feel aimless inside. Now, there's only two, just for the record, two reasons why uh, you would not submit to your leaders. One is if they if submitting to them means you have to sin. Okay, so if your leader says, "Hey, um, take some of these church funds and transfer it to my account," okay. Now, if, if he's causing you to sin that way, okay, then okay, the word of God needs to keep that leader's authority in check. If submitting to your leader means you have to sin, all right, then God says no. Submitting to your leader means you have to believe in heresy, then God says no. So if I start getting up here and I start telling everybody, hey, I went to see a psychic last week and told me all kinds of prophetic things for my life. I want everybody to go see a psychic this week, all right? You would say, no, I will not submit to that. And I'll be like, submit to your leaders. And then you'd be like, no. Hallelujah. Okay, then you'll be in the right. The only two things I can think of, actually. Hallelujah. I, I hope y'all don't start thinking that everything I'm preaching is heresy now. Use the excuse. Now, let's go back to our original passage, right? First Samuel chapter 3. And if you read here, let's look at verse 4 to 7. Look at verse 4 to 7. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said... Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. You see, something interesting about this passage is, Samuel thought the voice of God sounded a lot like Eli's. Well, that's because a lot of times the voice of the Lord will sound a lot like the voice of your spiritual authority. Especially if, you know, if you're, if you're young, you're growing, 
Check this out. If you want to develop your ability and your sense of calm, it is essential that you listen to your spiritual authorities. I'm not talking about perfect leaders. I'm talking about imperfect, sinful leaders. I mean, since uh, saints who do still sin, hallelujah. Leaders that still make mistakes. Leaders that, 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 you know, that, that have their weaknesses. Right? You need to listen to what they say. You know, a lot of times I'll just talk to people. I'll just be talking to them. How'd your week go? And then I'll talk to them and I'll say, you know, this Bible verse spoke to me this past week. And then I have this voila moment. And they'll be like, yeah, wow. Thank you, Pastor Christian. God just spoke to me through you about something I've been praying for for months. And I'll be like, uh, th- uh you're welcome. <laughs> you know, and I have no idea exactly what just happened. But I noticed that God speaks through me quite frequently. Um, in my own experience, when I, when I was, uh, submitting to different leaders, God would use spiritual authorities to speak to me quite frequently as well. Okay. So to, God would do that to shape my call, to test me, or to speak wisdom into my life. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, growing up, my mama was my spiritual authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, she would make me write out the Bible in Korean and clean the house on Saturdays. I didn't like it. Right, Nuna? Oh, my, my sister didn't have to do that. Her Korean was perfect. I didn't like it, but you know what? Now that I look back, I see that God was speaking through her so he could shape my character and prepare my Korean so that it won't be all busted up when I live here as an adult. Man, can you imagine if I didn't do that homework? Man, living in Korea would be much harder. God was preparing me. Another example. In high school, my youth pastor, Kevin Jones, he used to tell me I had an anger problem. <laughs> and I'd be like, whatever, man, I don't got no anger problem. I used to disagree with him, and I told him that my outbursts were just isolated incidents. And, and, and that's until I grew up, and I realized that in all these various settings, I was still having problems with controlling my anger. I would have these outbursts now and then. Like normally, I just pretty joyful guy, but just now and then, <laughs> when I push the wrong buttons. I remember one time, it just came to me. I remember one time I was walking over to my sister's apartment in New York City, and we were in the East Village. And one time, I don't know what we were arguing about, but I just got all upset, and I started kicking this dude's bike. Like, it was just this bike that was, like, locked up against a telephone pole or whatever, right? I started kicking. I'm like, what's your problem? And I started this outburst of anger. And then this dude's like, hey, calm down, man. That's my bike. I was like, oh, I don't care. And my sister was like, <laughs> Anger problem, man. You got to check out my sister, man. She, she also, hallelujah. Um, no, I'm playing, I'm playing, sister. My, my sister's a very peaceful woman. <laughs> now, I look back and I realize that, that what Kevin said wasn't his personal opinion. It was God speaking through him. Because my friends didn't tell me that stuff. But, but my spiritual authority did. Right? And there was a whole bunch of stuff that I can, I can you know, say that, you know, you know, Kevin wasn't good at or whatever. These are his weaknesses. But the, the fact of the matter was, he was my spiritual authority and God was speaking through him. And in fact, in high school, as a senior in high school, Pastor Kevin, he urged me to go to Urbana 96, a missions conference. I, I didn't think anything of it. I never even heard of it. He just urged me to go. And I prayed about it. I felt like God was saying, yeah, you should go. So I went. And it was at that conference that God shaped my call for the missions field. I will not be in Korea. I will not have gone to Kazakhstan six times, gone to China twice, Philippines five times, and India once. If I didn't go to that conference. Because it was at that conference God spoke to me. He just said one word. It was during one of the worship services. Uh, and they were like encouraging everyone. Everyone just quiet down and listen for the voice of God. And write down the first thing that he says to you. And so it was all quiet in there. 
10,000 people were all quiet. And God was just like, Missions, is that you, Lord? <laughs> I, I, I heard missions. So I wrote that John down. And then I was like journaling about it. Is this the Lord? I don't know. I don't know if this is the Lord. That was tough. But through the years, God confirmed that call. Hallelujah. Three years ago, my spiritual authority, Dr. Sung Min Park, president of Korea Campus Crusade for Christ, he came to New York and he asked me to consider coming to Korea. It was a, quite a surprise for me to receive this kind of invitation. But the more I thought about it, I realized that God had already spoken to me about this move through another spiritual authority, Brother Michael. A year before that, God, Brother Michael had made a prophecy. A couple months before that, before, um, before I met Dr. Park, he also made another prophecy. And it all pointed to God speaking through them to bring me to Korea. If I didn't submit to my spiritual authorities, I would not be here today. I don't, I don't even have that close of a personal relationship. I don't even really have a personal relationship with Dr. Park up until that point. But God speaks through your spiritual authorities. A lot of times, the voice of God will sound like the voice of your spiritual authority. You know, uh, this past year, working with Pastor Huang from Chair Songdo, one time he did something that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I, and I, and I tried asking for an explanation. Like, That was the biggest mistake of my life, by the way. You never ask a Korean adult why. There's the one thing you never ask a Korean adult. If they make a decision, or you say, yeah, 감사합니다. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, later you try to find out what really happened. I, I, I was like, I was like, why? And he started yelling at me. And so I started yelling back in my broken Korean. I was like, Now, the strange thing is, after I hung up, man, I was, I was just like, the devil started attacking my heart. And I was just like, man, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. Peace. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't got to do this. Right, I'm pride rising up, all this stuff. I don't got to submit to what he says. Erin was right there. She, she was just like, calm down, husband. <laughs> and, and, um, and what I did was I prayed to the Lord and I, I told him all my frustrations. And then God impressed upon my heart that I was at fault. And I was like, but, but the way he made the decision, Lord, it was just not very American. <laughs> and God was like, guess what? You're in Korea. And if you were in China, it would be worse. If you were in Kazakhstan, it might be even worse than that. And I realized the main issue was not a personal conflict with Pastor Huang. The main issue was God was testing me by speaking through Pastor Huang. And God was like, you need to continue to learn this lesson. Will you submit to the spiritual authorities I placed over you? Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, over the years, I've learned that God speaks to me through my spiritual authorities. And instead of reacting or getting all worked up, the best thing to do is to just humble yourself, listen, consider what God is saying through them. And then if nothing changes, you submit. Staying submissive under authority is the best place to develop your sense of God's call for your life. Samuel, by submitting to his spiritual authorities, he learned how to listen to God's voice clearly. It was through Eli that Samuel learned how to hear the voice of God clearly. But when you do not submit, you will never develop your sense of call. You will go from one thing to another, hoping something better will turn up, but inside you just feel aimless. You won't enjoy the blessings of the anointing that flows from the top down. You walk in presumption, not prophecy. Such people are quick to criticize and slow to serve. 
They will not walk in favor, but in fear. Brothers and sisters, my message today is real simple. If you want to develop God's call for your life, get under authority. Submit to your spiritual authorities. And this is the second aspect of developing your sense of call. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much that you are such a loving and gracious Father. And Lord God, we all admit that, Lord, that we struggle with heart issues of pride. And even I myself, Lord, as, 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 a, as a pastor of this church, Lord, you know the issues of pride that still uh, I need to continue to submit and Father God, of all the examples that God, you will give us for submission, you gave us the greatest example in your son, your only son, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He submitted himself to your will. He submitted himself even to death. Even to death on the cross. And through that submission, through the path of submission, God, you raised him up to the highest place. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. And God, Lord, may we see that in your kingdom, that the path to being raised up is called submission. May each of us walk in humility Walk in the footsteps of our Savior Jesus. And may we submit to one another. Submit to spiritual authorities. Knowing that God, you are in control. And that you are sovereign. And that you are good. Father God, Lord. May this lesson go deep into the hearts of your people. So that they will not live aimless lives. But they may truly fulfill the call, of, call and purpose that you have for them. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.